Today we have a grab bag of Predators content for you. A lot of quick topics, many of them which came from you. Is Dante Fabro the glue that holds this defense together? Is UC Saros being overworked? Are the Preds too high or too low in the power rankings? And what did we think about the month of March? For Nashville. A lot of different topics coming your way, plus look ahead to the Buffalo game tomorrow night. That's coming up today on a loaded Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at OnTheForeCheck.com. So we usually, like, it, it seems like lately the Preds have been playing so much uh, that it's like our format here on the show has been like recap the game, then the next day is preview, and then mm-hmm. recap preview uh so the Preds have an extra day off this week so Anna and i thought we would just kind of leave today's topics up to you the loyal listener and uh we got some interesting feedback uh that we're going to be talking about in a little bit a lot of kind of like hot button questions mm-hmm. uh, that yep. came from some of us dm'd us some of us tweeted them in uh so yeah this is going to be exciting to see what comes out of this uh discussion today and i know this i mean anything could happen on this show you and i with no game recap or preview i mean anything could happen this has been a show in which people have broken out into song uh we have had jackets and hoodies removed angrily so (laughs) there there is bound to be some fun in any episode of locked on predators um before we do that Let's, it's the end of March, mm-hmm. the last day of what we said was kind of going to be a make or break month for the Nashville Predators. Um, mixed, mixed yes. reviews on the month when you look back. Yeah, kind of this Nashville Predators. Yeah, this was not maybe the month we wanted, but it's the month we got. Um, there were some games like when you start your month out with a four, three loss to the Seattle Kraken, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit rough. Um, now the predators have kind of bounced back, but there were some games they dropped this month that really sort of took the wind out of the sails of the predators fans. When we were sort of riding high, when the predators were clicking on all cylinders. And this was a month, uh, this was sort of a check yourself month. Like March was the month where you better check yourself because definitely don't want to get too high. Don't want to get too low. And expectations were not always met this month. Well, you think back to where we were at the end of February. We had kind of the weird schedule because of mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had Pecorine's jersey retirement. And then we had, um, you know, the, the stadium series. And there was kind of like a lot of wham-bam stuff. Yes. Going to end the month of February. So we looked at March as kind of a, okay, you know, 
first couple of weeks, we need to settle back into things. Like we got to get the routine going because we got the playoff push coming up. Um, and so we looked at this and then we, we had been talking about April's schedule, uh, which we mm-hmm. talked about yesterday for quite some time. And you and I both went, look, this March is going to have to be the month where the Predators take advantage because this is probably, you know, when it's all said and done, probably the lighter schedule before you get yeah. to the thing. And, and that's I, I didn't see the Predators really take advantage of that. I mean, you look at yeah, they lost to it's weird. So they lost to Seattle. Then they had the, that mini win streak going, that three game win streak. Uh, they had the big win over the Minnesota Wild, a big win over Pittsburgh, two very, very strong playoff teams right now. I think that was something like Minnesota's one of only two losses they've had in like the past 11 games or something like that. Um, and then you look and it's like bad loss to Philadelphia, bad loss to the LA Kings, uh, like you know, of the bad loss to Vegas. Yes. Not, not a great game against the Ottawa Senators, even though they won four to one. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a lot of, you know, if the Predators wind up missing the playoffs, you go back to this month and be like, you know what? Here's where the points were left on the board. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. This was a month for the Predators to really take advantage and kind of bank some points. And in games, they did well in games that were going to be highly competitive. Like you said, Minnesota, Pittsburgh. I mean, they performed really well in most of their highly competitive games. It's the eggs that they laid in games that expectation was they could win this game relatively easy. And that I think is what is so frustrating. March was not a confidence building month necessarily for the Nashville Predators in the sense that the games that they lost were almost embarrassing games. I mean, they just should not have lost. And so March could have been March had potential to be a bank some points, gain some confidence, get some momentum for rough April. And it just didn't turn out to be that. And it's a little unnerving heading into a really difficult April schedule because I'm not sure that we have a good idea of what Na- what Nashville is going to look like in this highly competitive April because their March was just wonkadoodle. It was absolutely crazy. Is that your one word to describe March? <laughs> wonkadoodle. It was. It was totally wonkadoodle. Like it doesn't make sense. It didn't. It just doesn't. Well, the make word sense. doesn't make sense, but I like it. it. Is, I like it. Yeah, it's a perfect word for the Nashville Predators March games. Total wonkadoodle. Did you ever see the movie Rockadoodle? No, I've never even heard of it. It was like a chicken, like a rooster who was Elvis, and he like went to chase his dreams of being a musician. No, I don't I don't like fowls, so I usually don't see movies about them. That's a great like you never saw Chicken Run? Chicken I'm not Run? sure. No, probably not. No, not I've got things. Everybody's got things. That's just one of my things. Yeah, I've got things. Do you go to like to Hattie B's and just like hate eat? So I I do. We order the spicy tenders. Is that like take this sucker? (laughs) First of all, I never order the spicy anything. (laughs) But yes, I do passive aggressively devour chicken. (laughs) 
That's good to know. Um, yeah. But, you know, going back to actual hockey stuff, there um, you, go. you know, you, we talk about missed opportunities. I look at the standings right now, and we, we talked about yesterday about how the Predators are going to be in a fight and have a very tough road ahead of them to hang on to this wild card spot. When you look at the standings and you think back onto some of their missed opportunities this year, like let's say they had beaten Seattle, which we all thought they were supposed to. Yes. Uh, you know, let's not worry about like the losses to St. Louis. Let's not mm-hmm. even worry about like the one to Vegas um, because, you know, Vegas is a good team on paper. Um, but, you know, let, let's say you change that Seattle loss to a win. Um, yes change Philadelphia to a win and you know LA Kings I get that they're a playoff team uh but they're not like they're not like world beaters anyway right so like, let's pretend you also beat LA mm-hmm. all of a sudden the Predators are second in the division um and even though Minnesota has a couple of games in hand on them you still have the upper ground and you play Minnesota. So you would still technically control your destiny. And that's what I look for is just like, you know, that not only costs you points, that costs you ground in the playoff race right now. And now you're going to have to work that much harder because you blew your chance to really rack up points against Mm -hmm. lesser teams you played. I do think though, Nashville traditionally has, done well under that pressure and I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing but the last couple seasons when they've had to really push to get into the playoffs or um, when they come into a playoff situation where they are underdogs they seem to do well under that sort of narrative But it'd be really it's been starting. It started this year. Like this whole season should be the narrative. Yeah. It would be nice to see what they could do going into a playoff push in a different situation. I feel like we've seen this before. Yes, the Predators can push through a hard finish of a season and get into the playoffs. But could we just maybe once not have to do that? And unfortunately, because of the march that the Nashville Predators had, that's not what we're going to see this season. Yeah, 2018 and 2019 were fun uh, right up until the point where the playoffs began. Uh, Yes. It was definitely nice to, you know, chase the president's trophy and not chase a playoff spot. Yes. Um, We're continuing our grab bag of topics Coming up, we've got some notes and questions on Dante Fabro, a couple of notes on Roman Yossi, uh, UC Soros, a couple of player topics coming up, and uh, your hot takes for the end of the season should be interesting. Uh, but first, want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. After months of playing college basketball, they're down to the final four teams. And yeah. It's going to be a big weekend of basketball coming up. If you want to put some money on it, just remember that Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info from the latest odds, contests, and player props. You name it, they got it. Plus, Bet Online also remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And of course, not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. 
plenty of odds and props uh, for the NHL season two, which should get interesting down the stretch. Uh, so if you want to check it out, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So, Anne, we solicited uh, our loyal viewers for some topics to get into today. Yeah. Um, what what do we have? Let's see what we have here. Uh, here's one from Jesse Overton Colton. This is kind of more of a statement. He said, Nick and Ann, is Dante Fabro part of the secret sauce? It seems to me that the last time the Predators struggled this much defensively was when Fabro was out of the lineup for an extended period. Very steady and predictable. We need Fabro. Mm-hmm. We're judging this based on uh, hot take level. That is not a hot take at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very, you know, I looked at it, it's it's kind of crazy when you go back and kind of look at some of the advanced stat, stats that mm-hmm. the have with Fabro compared to him without him. Um, it's something, you know, there's like a big drop off in like defensive numbers when Fabro is not in the lineup. And the Preds record when Fabro is not in the lineup is also really off the pace. So, I mean, yeah, like how much do you think he's critical to this Preds defense? I think Dante Fabro may be one of those very underrated players for the Nashville Predators, and it's highlighted when he's out of the lineup, unfortunately. I think Carrier and Fabro are so important. And when you look at this defense, you see you've got the experience of Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm, but Dante Fabro is the one that's got the most tenure with this defense after those two. And you almost forget that he is a relatively young player. You know, this is not his fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth season with the Predators. And he's been critical. And I think he's critical because he's very different than, say, Roman Yossi. Dante Fabro is a defensive defenseman. Um, And I think that frees up some of the Nashville Predators defensemen to do some other things because he is your defensive defenseman. And when he's out of the game, it's not even so, I hate to say this, but, and maybe I'm wrong. I'd Give me your take on this, but is it that Dante Fabro is so good or is it that the sixth and seventh defensemen are not as well, good? Here's my thing on Fabro. I'm going to use a non-slappy Oscars reference here. <laughs> Thank uh, you. When, you. when you talk about every movie has its best actors and best supporting actors slash actresses, mm-hmm. the, the role of, you know, the, the best actors are the stars. Like they're the ones that this whole movie is about. Mm-hmm. Me, that's Roman Yossi and uh, Matthias Eckholm when it comes to that defense. Yes. The best supporting actors, though, those are like, you know, the guys that, you know, the movie's not about them, but they're so good. Like, they're so much of a foil, like a character foil, that it makes the best actor look that much better. Because, yes. you know, you're, you're interacting with them. And that, to me, is Carrier and Dante Fabro. When you look at, because Dante Fabro has been playing with Roman Yossi this season. Mm-hmm. When you look at him, you think about Dante Fabro. He's like the anchor. Like he is like the steady defenseman who stays back there, 
very, very good at like back checking, very good at like breaking up two on ones, um, you know, kind of like that last, like, you know, the last stopper in case things go haywire in the offensive zone. And then you think of like Roman Yossi, who we know is like a lot more free flowing. He likes to jump in and start the offensive plays, likes to take a little bit more chances. That's why I think Fabro has been a perfect foil for him because, mm-hmm. you know, when Yossi pushes up, when Yossi, you know, jumps into the play, he yes. can do that. He can take chances and be the player we know he is because he knows that Dante Fabro is back there being the player that he is. And I think that has been what is missed is, you know, we've seen Roman Yossi take chances, jump into plays. And with that Dante Fabro out there hasn't been that same level of support back there. Um, you know, they've moved people around Alex Carrier's with, with Yossi now, but Alex Carrier is not really the type of guy that Dante Fabro is. Right. So you kind of notice it more. He's like a perfect complement to the players the Preds have. And that's why it seems like they do so much better with him in the lineup. Yeah. And I, the Nashville Predators have a couple of guys like that who maybe aren't the flashy, who aren't the high on the score sheet guys, but who really are fundamental to the success that they're having. You look at Yakov Trenin. Um, you know, he's kind of another one where he's a little under the radar. He's not super flashy, but if you don't have him, you're missing components of your game and it affects the other people that he plays with. And that's Dante Fabro. I really think the predators need to get him back. And part of it again, is that I just feel like they, which is strange to me, but I don't feel like the Nashville predators have a ton of depth when it comes to seventh and eighth kind of plug-in defensemen. And that makes the absence of Fabro even more um, even more obvious, I think. Yeah, I mean, they certainly need him back for a variety of reasons. And to follow up your early point, yeah, I, I don't think the guys jumping in to fill the depth are as good. Yeah. Um, just fill that out. Um, another statement slash hot take. This is from Brian Baston. Says mm-hmm. Saros is getting overused. And kind of a follow-up to that, another uh follower, Caleb Cook, said he wants to see the Preds integrate Connor Ingram. Mm-hmm. Not David Riddick, Connor Ingram. Interesting. Okay, where are you on this one? Like either either portion of that hot take. Where well, are let's you? Let's do this? let's do the Saros portion because the, the Ingram's a whole different thing that I yeah. don't think we're going to see resolved this year. Yeah. Um ideally, yeah, you would like to see maybe Saros get a few breaks here and there. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen down the stretch because the Predators need to win pretty much every game from here on out uh it's something like i think it's uc saros is on pace for 68 games mm-hmm. played this year while riddick is on pace for 14 um we may actually see that go different uc saros might hit the 70 game mark this year yeah um so it's it's interesting like it's really interesting because what do you do if you're John Hines, because clearly no offense to David Riddick, 
but that's a step down from Soros, yes. a noticeable step down from Soros. Um, so what do you do if you're playing some of these back-to-backs? You need both points to stay in the playoff hunt. Like, are you going to go with a guy who was in the Vezina conversation at one point earlier this year who's got like a 920 save percentage and has carried this team to a lot of wins they should not have gotten? Or are you going to try to conserve him, try to rest him so he's not, you know, breaking down physically, but replace him with somebody who hasn't had that type of impact on the Preds this year? I'm going to go and, and, and I'm going to go very differently and say that I don't think that UC Saros is being overused. Is he playing a lot of games? Yes. Is he likely to play a lot of games? Like you said, yes. He is on track to play a lot of games. But this is a very different goaltending situation for the Nashville Predators. For years, for years, they have had um, a very reliable goaltending tandem. And again, this is not any sort of critique of David Riddick. He has come in and won some you know, he's come in when he's played and he's five, three and one. So, you know, yeah. he's solid. But with an 890 save percentage, which is a, which is not good. That's not no. a good number. No. And I think that this is very different than the decisions the coaching staff made when it was Rene Saros or Saros Rene. I think it's a very different thought process between what you, uh, who you play and when. This is not the same situation. The other thing I will say is that I think UC Saros is better with consistency. You know, he was playing so well at the start of the season and the all-star break, he kind of struggled a little bit to get back, you know, to his game, back to the level he was playing back at prior to the all-star break. And I really feel like Saros is one of those players who does better with consistent play. Um, so I'm I'm here for Saros and Net. You know, the concern is, you know, is he going to physically wear down? But I don't think we've seen any signs of it. I I don't think that's a, a concern right now. You're gonna have to be careful in April. And there are two back-to-backs in April. I think um, you know, you give Riddick the Chicago game and Saros the St. Louis game and that back to back. I think you give Saros um Colorado and give Riddick Arizona in that back to back. So you know but, but I, like let's say because at Arizona games that last game. Yes. If the if let's say Saros played the night before and the Preds need to win that game, it's clearly Saros. Or yes. if they, if they get like a couple weeks earlier where it's like the the Tampa doubleheader uh, what was it? It was Tampa and then Minnesota were the, like the two back to back. Clearly, like those are two really good teams. Yes, that you can't afford to lose to because of the playoff hunt. You have to you have to go like yes. start on both, right? Because you can't put an eight ninety safe percentage guy against the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Minnesota Wild. Yes. 
And I, and again, it comes back to what we talked about earlier. I think March going a little bit differently for the Nashville Predators would make this maybe a little bit different conversation in April, and there would be a little more breathing room for UC Soros. I just don't think the Predators have done that. And I think Soros is going to, right or wrong, he's going to have to pick up kind of that slack in net. Um, I, I think he is going to be played a lot. But I also, again, want to say I think he does better with consistency. I don't think UC Saros wants to sit many games out. No. I mean, we saw it last year. He played virtually every game down the stretch except for like two. Yes. Uh, so I, I think you're, you're probably you're probably right. Um, this came from a DM, Fred Harder. He asks, uh, or I guess he says rather, should it be time for the Predators? Actually, hold on. Yeah. No, he said... Does it seem like the Predators have given up on Luke Cunnan and Ellie Tolvanen? They're playing a lot of ice time this season, and it seems like they haven't had quite the impact as the Preds had hoped earlier this year. Ooh, he's just going right for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this uh... – I don't know that I would say have the Predators given up on them, but I think the Predators have really tried some things to get them going. And I don't think we're seeing a ton of success from that. Again, I do want to say this about Ellie Tolvin, and he is not scoring goals like he needs to be. He is doing a lot of amazing things defensively in other areas of the game. So I don't want to take away from that, but they've shifted him down to the fourth line at times. They have now switched Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlin. If Mikhail, like Mikhail Granlin could turn me into a goal scorer, like he's just that good. And so it's been a little bit concerning to me that it hasn't been paying off that, that switch. Um, I don't know. This this is a tough one to me. I, I'm afraid that maybe Luke Cunnan is running out of time. Um, and this leads into a why didn't the Predators do something for that second line at the trade deadline conversation? It's funny you bring that up because so, uh, what was it in uh, Elliot Friedman and his um, 32 thoughts? He said the Preds. Guess what, Anne? The Preds were one of the teams in on Phil Kessel, but nothing worked out. That's a good Elliot Friedman. Why? 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 <laughs> it was there. So uh, I guess the thing, uh, and this came from Puck Soup with Down Goes Brown and uh, Ryan Lambert. Uh, they both said they thought the issue was that Arizona couldn't retain any more salary. There is already three players they traded away uh, whose salary they retained because of NHL rules. You can only do that with for like three players. Um, and so that like kind of turned teams off because they had a hard time making Kessel's number hit. Uh, the Preds could have done it. Like the yeah. math would have worked in the Preds favor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, Oh, so frustrating. So frustrating. And I think not making the move is one last gasp for this second line. But I am telling you right now, if they do not do something in the offseason and get Phil Kessel, it's going to get ugly all up in here, up in here. Uh, same 
same topic. Uh, JW Hood tweeted third and fourth lines are clicking. What is needed for more production out of the second line? Feel like they've been missing most of the season. So let's take that and go with what do you think? Like, do you think the Preds can get this going? Like, do you think, or do you think Cunnins and Tolvanen are kind of a lost cause from a scoring standpoint at this point? I don't know. I I will say I feel like they're running out of time because that line, they have got to get that line going before the playoffs. You just can't. I mean, and not that they aren't playing well defensively. They're not necessarily a liability line, but they are just not producing. And I think they're really under some pressure to turn that around when they shifted Mikhail Granlin to that line. That's a big move when you're yeah. messing with the top line. That's a big all in. And Granlin and, had so much chemistry with Tolvin in last year too. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it, it was a big move that seemed like it would pay off and gosh, kind of still waiting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I would I would like to see Phil Tomasino maybe mm-hmm. up there getting some more playing time with the second guys. I know I know there's reasons why that's not happening, and he's also playing really really well on the fourth line right now, and you don't want to mess up that chemistry. Um, but you know, you would hate to kind of relegate a line with either Ryan Johansson or Mikhail Granlund down to kind of a fourth line role, but that seems to be kind of what's happening right now, just based on playing time. Yes. Because uh, when you look at the charge, clearly the number two line is the number three line, the herd line. They're the guys right. the second most time behind um, Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin slash Johansson. Yeah. It's um, the, I agree with what you say. It's a little bit concerning when you're going to relegate somebody like um, Mikhail Granlin to less ice time with those guys. Now, Mikhail Granlin plays on some special teams, uh, so it's not like we're not oh, going to yeah. see him. But no, no, not at all. But, gosh, we really need that second line to kick in, and I think that there is some pressure. I think that there is pressure for Cunning and Tolvanen to get it going. And they're kind of running out of, they're running out of time. They're running out of time. Uh, last one. And this actually is uh, not really a hot take. It's just kind of content from our, uh, our mothership locked on podcasts. The NHL power rankings are out this week. Predators mm-hmm. in 14th, one behind the Kings, one ahead of the Dallas Stars. Uh, top 10 right now, Colorado Avalanche, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, Pittsburgh Penguins, Calgary Flames in fifth. Then we have Tampa, Boston, New York Rangers, Toronto, and the Minnesota Wild. What do you think of that list? Um... I think it's fairly accurate. Uh, I think the Minnesota Wild have done themselves some favors. They're on a tear. uh, So that's kind of launched them up there. You know, I I really would love to say I think the Predators should be higher. But let's face it, I don't think that they should be. (laughs) I think it's pretty accurate. Um, I think they're right where they are. Yeah, I think that's. And what's frustrating is I think when they're playing their best and they have their roster, they can beat a lot of those top 10 teams, but they're not beating the bottom 10 teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the the bottom, the lowest ranked team right now is the Seattle Kraken, and we know the Predators have lost two out of three to them this year. Flyers are 29. <laughs> it's a battle to get just one win out of the two games they played. Um, so definitely, definitely a slight concern. Yes. There. That's probably why they're ranked lower. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't strongly disagree with, um, anyone else really in the top 10. I thought Minnesota should be a little bit higher just cause they're hot right now. I would yes. them over Toronto. Uh, although I understand why they're not, um, Boston's an interesting team to watch because they've been kind of in the same spot. The Preds have been all season kind of on the fringe. They have played really well over the last month. They are on fire right now. I would not be surprised to see them somewhere in the top five by the end of the season. Yeah, that's one of those teams that's going to finish very strong. The Calgary Flames are a team. I'm I was surprised that they had dropped down to six because I really feel like this team is so much better than what they're kind of given credit for. So that's a team I'm going to keep my eyes on. I think if they can finish their season strong, they're going to be one of the top two or three teams, I think, in this league. Yeah, I mean, they're a team, if you're the Nashville Predators, I absolutely would not want to play in the postseason. Oh, hard pass. Yeah, because they have they have been on a roll this year. Uh, yeah, if, if the Predators get into the wild card, if they don't get into the top three and get a wild card spot, it's either Colorado or Calgary, and that is a tough, tough first matchup either way, especially because both of them significantly improved at the trade deadline. Yes. Yeah. And Nashville kind of went with what we had. So I, I wouldn't want to pick either one of those, which team would you rather go up against in that situation? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. That is going to be (laughs) our topic tomorrow. Who do you think the Predators, who, who, if you're a Preds fan, who would you want to play in the first round? Who would you absolutely not want to play in the first round? That's the topic we're going to have tomorrow. We're also going to look ahead to the Buffalo Sabres matchup. Hey, remember we were just talking about how the Preds don't do well against really bad teams and have dropped a lot of points. They're running out of time to do that. So tomorrow, pretty much based on everything we talked about today, I would say is an absolute must win. Yes. For the Nashville Predators, uh, just for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I would say if the Predators don't win tomorrow against Buffalo, we Ooh. have some serious problems. Yeah. Outside voices on Monday's show. We will use our outside voices. Uh, until then, Anne, where can the fine people find your work? You can find my work at ontheforecheck.com. And you can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. I'm Nick Morgan. You can find me at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. And also be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, share it, leave a comment. Let us know what you thought or if you have any other topics you want us to discuss on a future show. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll see you tomorrow.